Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mac McCann is a talented and influential songwriter, musician, and singer based in North Carolina. Renowned for his prolific output in bands like Superchunk and Portostatic, McCann also co-founded Merge Records, one of the world's most resilient and taste-making independent labels. In the face of Republican cuts to programs that cruelly impact women and other disenfranchised people, McCann and his bandmates in Superchunk just released a limited edition single called I Got Cut, with all proceeds benefiting Planned Parenthood. They also worked with local visual artists who custom-made artwork for a handful of singles that are up for auction until June 28th on the site paddle8.com. Again, all proceeds from the auction benefit Planned Parenthood. Mac and I recently had a conversation about what motivated this new single, the political landscape in North Carolina and how it relates to the rest of the U.S., the state of progressivism, his early exposure to political punk, and also seeing Van Halen in the early 1980s, how his Merge Records partner and fellow Superchunk member Laura Balance has been doing since she left the road behind in 2013, Arcade Fire's departure from Merge for Columbia Records, and we talked about much more. Superchunk and Merge have meant the world to me for as long as I can remember, so it was really nice to catch up with Mac Again, even if we mostly talked about how bleak his country is right now. His country and the world, it feels like. Sponsored by Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, this is Mac McCon on the 327th episode of Creative Control with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Mac. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Thanks for being uh, on the show. Uh, where are you right now? I am at the Merge office in downtown Durham, North Carolina. Ah, how are things in Durham today? Uh, they're good. Warm, as you would expect in June in North Carolina. 
Yes, uh, I, I often comment that uh, the one of my on one of my trips to North Carolina, the air tasted sweet. I found the air to taste sweet to me. <laughs> Have you noticed? That's that? good. <laughs> it's like a maybe su- I maybe I'm just used to it. <laughs> it just it had, a, it had a particular zest and flavor that I'm not used to, and that uh, I, I hold uh, in some esteem in my heart. Maybe that's what gives me allergies for some portion of each spring. Yeah, it could be the sweetness. I, I never thought of that. I never thought of that. Uh, how are things in North Carolina generally these days? Uh, they're, you know, politically fraught, like in the rest of the country, but maybe even in a more concentrated way because of the right-wing Republicans in our state seem to want to be on the vanguard of all the terrible stuff that can be done when you're in power. So we've we've been experiencing for a while kind of what's ha- now <laughs> happening in a lot of the country. Yeah, I was thinking of you today uh, and, and the fact that you came of age when Senator Jesse Helms was uh, in power and really a driving force in the conservative movement. Do, do you have memories of this uh, from your childhood even? Yeah, I mean, he was such a fixture, you know. If you, I mean, we moved to North Carolina when I was 13 in 1981, and... You know, he'd already been here for however long and continued to be our senator for a long time after that. So, and he, he again, was kind of on the extreme edge even in, in, in those days when Reagan was president and everything. So, you know, my formative years growing up in terms of junior high, high school, being into punk rock and things like that, you know, Reagan was the president and Helms was our senator. And so there was... A lot to, a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah, in some ways, you had a certain kind of conditioning for the era we, particularly Americans, I guess, are, are living through right now. I would think. On one hand, yes, but on the other hand, you know, it feels a little bit more virulent now, and maybe that's just because things seemed like they were moving in the other direction generally. And obviously the majority of people who voted in the U.S. did want to move in the other uh, direction generally. But that's, you know, not how the Electoral College played it out. So that I think that's one reason it feels worse now than, than then. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can... If you feel like progress is being made and then it's taken away from you, that's maybe a worse feeling than feeling like even though you're feeling like you're incrementally moving forward even if it is slow you know i feel like north carolina from my perspective is a little microcosm of that sensibility or that or that mentality where for me north carolina is merge records and (laughs) and you know super chunk and and the mountain goats and all sorts of things that i that i hold dear uh and yet as you say the state is gripped by this conservatism um well I mean, I think that one thing, I mean, and if, you know, even growing up here and even with Senator Helms as our senator, there was almost always a Democratic governor. And, and you know, so there was this feeling of, yes, you know, we there's obviously super conservative parts of North Carolina, like anywhere in the South. But feeling generally, and again, you know, we're partially uh, in a unique situation living in, you know, this area of the state that where there's several universities and um, 
the Research Triangle Park, which means there's also transplants, has a different feeling, obviously. But but even saying that, you know, having a Democratic governor all those years felt a little bit like a balance to Mm. to what to someone like Helms and contrasting with our neighbors to the south in South Carolina, North Carolina was more progressive and there is a history of progressivism here and it felt like things were kind of going that direction. And uh, in other words, like when uh, Pat McCrory won the governorship uh, a few years ago and Republicans took the House and the Senate in the state house, mm-hmm. that was the first time that Republicans had held all three of those positions in like a hundred years. So it's not this, the way it has been with McCrory as governor is not how the, the normal state of things in North Carolina has been until just a few years ago. Right. And a lot of, and I think a lot of that, you know, in some ways the same way I think about uh, people like Trump who, who are want to undo Obama's, the good things that Obama was able to accomplish I think a lot of it is straight up racism. I mean, there's no other way to put it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, Tea Party was the same thing. I mean, you can talk about the economic aspects of that, but a lot of it was just, you know, people can't handle a black guy being in charge, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And so, and so, I think that that's one reason that North Carolina bounced to the right in in local politics, and the problem is. I feel like uh, conservative politicians, especially extremely conservative politicians, know that the tide is going the other way. They know that their ideas are not broadly popular. So in order to maintain power, they need to change the rules. And one aspect of that, of course, is making it harder to vote, which is what they immediately started to do uh, upon taking power in North Carolina. So... It's this thing of like, we know we can't win unless we rig the system. So now that we have a little bit of power, we're going to rig the system to try to hold on to that power. And that to me is like the thing that can keep you up at night or wake you up in the morning. Yeah, you made a comment there that that some of these conservative politicians know that their platforms aren't broadly popular, yet they've never had more power, it would seem, than they do at the moment in terms of controlling various uh, aspects of the government. Do you have a perspective on where, because like you, I tend to feel that the progressive movement, it had a lot of efficacy and there were a lot of changes in the way people live their lives and, and, and seem to respect other people's lives. And you can see those changes manifest themselves in, in pop culture and, and all sorts of things. However, it does seem like the conservative movement seized upon a weakness uh, a weak point in the progressive movement. Do you have a perspective on where that is, where that failure occurred? I mean, it's so complicated, obviously, and I'm not an expert on it. I mean, I just, you know, what I see is a failure to, in some ways, when you're talking about what happens in in politics and in Washington, I mean, I think the Democrats failed to see that all, or, or they're a little bit, slow on the uptake in seeing that all the obstruction that Republicans were doing for eight years of Obama was not, in fact, having any ill effects on those Republicans' ability to get reelected because that's what their people wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. That, you know, there was no 
civility that was going to come save the Democrats. And so, that, that I mean, that's one failure. I think the other thing is it's easy to see social advances like legalization of gay marriage and things like that as maybe more of a harbinger than it really is in terms of other things that might happen. Uh, in other words, the, the fact that the, the Democrats could be in power for eight years and still not really ever punish the financial industry yeah. for driving everyone over the cliff eight years ago is another failure because then Republicans have this – you're giving the other side the ability to say like, oh, see, like they've – you know they've been in power all, all this time and, and, and what's happened, you know, they got their gay marriage, but you still don't have a job. Yeah. And, and again, like racism played such a huge role in, in this last election, preying on people's fears of immigrants and people of color. And so much of it has nothing to do with reality. In fact, the people whose fears they're preying on usually don't live in communities where there are many people of color. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's this just this bizarre disconnect where, but but the misinformation is allowed to kind of fester and 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 be be spread far and wide. And um, I think part of that is a failure of the media to you know because there is this somehow this tendency to say like, well, both sides do this. Well, you know, and and. Uh, on social media, you know, like if I'm tweeting about political things, I still get that. It's like, no, you know, actually like both sides don't do most of the horrible things that that the Republicans are trying to do right now. Right. But, but, but like I said, I think one failure of the Democrats was to not go harder at, uh, the financial, the financial system. Yeah. 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 I'm curious about your own political foundation. You mentioned that you're, I, th- I think you said your family moved to North Carolina when you were 13 and you got into punk rock and uh, underground music. Um, was that culture something that shaped your mindset politically? For sure. I mean, my parents definitely shaped shaped me politically because they were Democrats who, you know, the first real political stuff I remember was Nixon, of course. And I remember my dad sitting me down and making me watch Nixon resign. Hmm. Um, and up to, up to that point, mostly what I understood about Nixon came from the Watergate hearings, which I did not understand at all, but they were preempting all the shows that I wanted to watch on public television every day, uh, in the summer. And so, uh, (laughs) to me, it was just kind of this nuisance, but then, you know, that was, but him, Nixon resigning was one of the, the, first times that I kind of had a, a sense of what was going on and um, and then you know my parents voted for Jimmy Carter and talked about Carter and then of course by the time Reagan was elected I knew that that was uh, going to lead to a lot of very bad things which some of it's still playing out today I mean I think Reagan and and people who supported him then or maybe who were young then or now and are now you know like uh Still, you're still seeing the fruit of the stuff that he started, like uh, busting unions and deregulating the airline industry and things like that. You know? Right, right. So, again, like he seems a little like mild compared to some of the stuff that they're trying to do now. But, um, but certainly, again, then getting into to punk rock and which was a political scene, um, 
not that all the bands are political, but, uh, you know, we're pretty close to Washington, D.C., and people would go up to the punk percussion protests there, uh, and then they they had them here in North Carolina as well, and um, I don't know, like, it was, it was definitely, you know, as well as just being a fun scene to, to become aware of when you're young, you know, punk, being able to go to all-ages matinees is, is exciting either way, but there's definitely politics that went along with that. Were there particular uh, figures in that scene that, you know, resonated with you or you viewed as, as I don't want to use the word mentor necessarily, but were there people there that, uh, were there particular people making music, being outspoken that really resonated with you at that time? Yeah, you know, the band Corrosion of Conformity was, uh, you know, the big one of the biggest hardcore bands in the country, and, and they were here in North Carolina, and they're definitely the biggest band here, though there was a lot of great bands. Mm-hmm. Um, bands like Corrosion, as, as well as No Labels, Stillborn Christians, No Rock Stars, they were from Charlotte, I think, um, Blood Mobile, and then a little bit later, um, Subculture from uh, Winston, and uh, there's there's a there's a lot of great punk bands around here, and they would either be headlining their own shows, or they would open for you know touring touring bands like Black Flag or the Descendants or whoever that was coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know in terms of being from North Carolina, you, you know you could look to COC for for what they were doing, and um, they their flyers were often political and as well as funny and kind of like cartoonishly gross and <laughs> all the stuff all the stuff that's like exciting you know when you're 14 years old. I noticed that you actually listed primarily bands from North Carolina. How significant was it for you to know that there was all this great music happening in your, you know, immediate in your state, in your immediate surroundings? That must have been a, a profound thing to discover that. Definitely, and of course, if you, especially if you live somewhere like you were saying, you know, where Jesse Holmes is your senator, and you're in the South, it's cool to know that they're, and very empowering to know that people are doing interesting things to work against that. And uh, and then, like I said, very close by was Washington D.C. and Discord and those bands. Um, there was really a lot to take inspiration from, you know. When when I first discovered music, it seemed like a supernatural thing. You know, it, it, the people that made it seemed like I was. Uh, I think I liked rock stars, or maybe I didn't like them, but I, they just seemed. It seemed like a a magical thing that was beyond my grasp. I imagine when you start to see local people or people from North Carolina making music, does that humanize that aspect for you? Does it make you want to play? Yeah, I, of course it does. And I think that, um, you know, just the general scene where, you know, like if, 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 you know, I went to see, for instance, Van Halen in concert at the Greensboro Coliseum, you're never going to end up seeing Van Halen hanging out afterwards by their, by their van. You know what I mean? Whereas... Yeah. You go to a, a hardcore matinee at, at the brewery in Raleigh, and the bands, the fans, everyone's just like hanging out in the parking lot beforehand, during the show, after, whatever. Every, it all feels like everyone's kind of on the same level, you know. Yeah. What was the Van Halen show like, though? I must ask. Oh, it was amazing. It was on the um, the first time I saw them a couple times, but the first time was on the Fair Warning tour, which is my favorite record by them. Oh, okay. And I mean, you're right. It is magical. It is like you're seeing some sort of like fictional characters on stage. You know, if you've Especially then, you know, pre... I mean, MTV maybe existed, but it was really before you could even know what a show was going to be like. You couldn't go watch 10, vid- 10 live videos on, on YouTube to you know before you went to the concert. So the anticipation and then the seeing the, 
these people in person when you'd really only seen pictures of them in like cream magazine before mm-hmm. was like, it was magical, you know? And so I did enjoy that aspect of that. But in terms of getting into music more on a personal level, certainly seeing, seeing bands in a club setting or at, at a punk show is, is much more, uh, you know, personalizing, humanizing. Yeah. But did Van Halen seem in any way political to you? Only in the sense that parents hated them. Yes, exactly. That's right. I mean, I, I, I don't think, I mean, my, my parents didn't hate them, but I knew that that was like part of the thing, you know what I mean? Is like, you know, heavy metal bands were designed to like annoy parents. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is, is too far a stretch, but there is part of me that thinks that virtually any artistic expression is, is you know, at least a little political. And, uh, you know, it'd be a, you might have a harder time explaining that or trying to bolster your case by citing Van Halen, but maybe not. I don't know. They they did seem to, you know, it, they, they galvanized people, and they, even if it was for, and I don't want to reduce them, but it, there's a kind of escapism in Van Halen's music. Is that fair? Yeah, and it's just, but it's, you know, it's loud guitars, and it's fun, and it's like, it's 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 what's fun about, you know, that kind of, that kind of rock music. But I think that, um, you know, the counter argument to what you're saying is that they're not really inspiring people to become politically active. <laughs> it's in other words, when there's like four people on a stage and everyone else is like in a stadium kind of like, yeah. you know, down there, like you might be creating a, uh, an audience or like a mass of people and you might be telling them to rebel against their parents or smoke pot or whatever. But I don't know that you could say that they're, inspiring you to act in some way you know yeah there's some i think there's a parallel between that level of countercultural inspiration and maybe what's happening now in terms of the fact that there is within trump and some conservatives this anti-authority strain that i can't quite parse out in terms of how it might relate to my own sensibilities or the sensibilities of the progressive movement there is this weird you know, sub-narrative of being anti-authority, right? Of being anti-government. and But it's sort of, at the same time, it's dictator- dictatorial. Like, it's very confusing. Well, I think it's like a self-serving kind of myth that's been created uh, whereby, you know, white people get to feel like somehow they've been robbed. Yeah. And look, certainly some of them have been, but... The peop- if they have been, the, the people they're robbed by were the people that they're voting for. So it's, like I said, it's, it's, it's a myth, really. Yeah. One of the things that has popped up a lot is that Trump supporters, uh, the ones at least that the media tend to feature on news reports, uh, don't come across as the most enlightened. Uh, and I think that's, a, that's kind of a dangerous thing that's been going on. But at the same time, the more you see clips of people you know, who've said, I voted for Trump. I didn't really think he was going to take away my health care. Um, there is this sense of like they're not totally engaged with what's going on. But well, no, you put if you put people in a powerless position, and you and the only thing that you give them to do as an outlet is to lash out by you know voting against minorities, and even though it's also against their own interests, they'll do they'll take that opportunity to lash out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, and it's like it both both allows them to feel like, yeah, I'm like sticking it to 
someone and but it also puts all the power and it consolidates power in the hands of the people who are never really going to turn anything over to those people yeah which is it, it does seem like a lot of people are not voting in their own self-interest or supporting things that are in their own self-interest weirdly there's a selfish strain as you point out but i don't think that people are necessarily aware of well, you know what the people that the what's going to actually happen when they support the people they're supporting, and that's really frustrating. It is frus- frustrating, and uh, again, when you step back and see the bigger picture, that uneducated people tend to vote for the harshest politicians, even again, uh, and the cruelest politicians, and the ones that acting against these people's own interests. And that one of the main one of the policies of the people they're voting for is to undermine the education system that does exist. Yeah, you see how it's all like a, a self-sustaining loop of misinformation and and um, undereducation. And you know, Trump even said, "Like I love the uneducated." You know, it's like yeah, because the, the, the less they know, the more they like you. Yeah, so right, but- uh, and, and and that's you know seeing the person that he has nominated, you know, or, or who, who is the head of the edu- education department as someone who has a disdain for public, e- public education. It's disgusting and it's very, it's disheartening and it's, it's also just enraging. You know? Well, going back to what we were discussing earlier about maybe some weaknesses that have been exploited in the progressive movement by conservatives, it seems that because you, you mentioned misinformation, you mentioned the mistrust, you mentioned lack of education does seem like pe- the, the when you're very when you're sort of really on the far right spectrum you do seem to mistrust anything progressive the most uh any science uh whatever it is it's very confusing yeah. to me and i don't know where that stems from because i think we are in this really gross cycle of mistrusting all media and all information uh on either side no matter where you sit so no one's trusting anyone no one's trusting any facts but like I say, I don't understand why, if you're in the habit of saying, like, no one is telling me the truth, why only denigrate the left or, or people that are trying to... Well, because the pe- because they feel like the side that has shown them the light that they can't trust anyone, that, that is, that's the side that they, that they believe. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? If someone's saying to you, like, you can't trust anyone but me, like, I'm the only one that can tell you the truth... You know, which are the that is the stance of a of a dictator, right? Of an authoritarian. And yeah. It, you know, and, and and so like then that's that's where you go for your for your truth. You know, in some ways it simplifies your life, right? If 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 you go like, oh, good, I can just ignore all this and just pay attention to this one all powerful person. I mean, you know, that's it's frightening. Yeah, just. Uh, subscribing to a kind of tunnel vision <laughs> is uh, yeah. very confusing. You mentioned your dad made you watch Nixon resign, and uh, I found that interesting because we are living in a cloud of impeachment, special counsels. Nixon is kind of haunting 2017 right now. Um, do you, in your sense, memory of that moment, like, do you relate to what's happening now as a kid? Like, you know, do you, do you see the, the parallels there? Do you think that we're heading down the same road? I mean, I'm afraid it's wishful thinking to say that we're heading down the same road um, because I I have yet to, you know, impeachment proceedings would require Democrats and Republicans. And every Republican so far has shown themselves to be a complete sellout when it comes to standing up to Trump in any way. So 
Um, so far, they're all just bowing down to him to somehow hope that they can consolidate their own power. Right. So, I mean, there's not, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. It doesn't seem like anything is really going to happen, but we are filled with this hope. Are, are you, do you remain hopeful <laughs> as, a, as a citizen of your country, as a person living in the world today? Uh, I mean, it's hard, I have to say, you know. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm getting more sleep than I did for the first couple months after the election, but it's, it's, it's difficult to see where the, where the turnaround is. Yeah, yeah. No, I can, and and I mean, you obviously, you. I remember that uh, you you guys were yeah. your band was outspoken during the Bush uh, presidency as well. This is worse, right? Oh my God, it's way worse. Yeah, it's way worse. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's way worse, and it's it's just way. There's. I'm not sure what the word is I'm looking for in, in terms of in terms of Republicans' willingness to just go over any cliff for this. Frankly, this like baby who's running the country—that's what's frightening about it, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I feel like you know, but all, all you can do is what you can do, and, and and a lot of that involves working locally, local politics, you know, uh, trying to help people that are doing good, like you know, organizations. Obviously, the the ones that everyone's heard of, like the ACLU and Planned Parenthood, and mm-hmm. as well as everyone has local local uh groups that are they're doing good work too so um and i feel like that's where really you know the power of a band like super chunk which is not we're not a big band you know but we do have have our fans and i feel like if you can marshal you know whatever size you are if you're if you're an artist if you can marshal the power of the the people that that do like you and that do pay attention to what you're doing and somehow make work that and make art that is in the service of um, moving things in the right direction, like that's that's what you can do, you know. And it's it's going to be on different levels, you know. If the Foo Fighters had <laughs> held a charity concert, they're going to raise more money than than Super Chunk, for instance. But every every everyone doing what they can, I think, is important. Yeah, that brings us to this new single for "I Got Cut," uh, which uh, you you mentioned Planned Parenthood here, uh, there rather. Uh, this is a a single where the proceeds benefit Planned Parenthood. Tell me more about this. What inspired you to record these songs? And, 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 you know, this is a very interesting project, the way it's kind of been rolled out. Can you talk about this single a bit? Yeah, so we, um, we wanted to do something, and I wanted to, I wanted to do... Uh, I knew we weren't going to be able to record an album that fast, but um, I also know that singles don't make a lot of money, you know, seven-inch singles. So uh, try to figure out a way that we could record a couple songs and then release a single in a way that, that actually raised some money for, for a good cause. And, you know, I remember seeing this, there was a photograph taken, I think in the white house. Uh, and it was Trump surrounded by all these old white guys. Uh, and they had just signed, he just signed some executive order. This is you know, the, de- the thumbs up photo. Uh, well, there's a lot of those, I guess, but he, 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 he's, he basically had just signed some order defunding, you know, family planning, um, efforts around the world. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. They're like, you know, we're not going to give money to organizations that... that uh, provide women's health care basically around the world. And he's smiling. They're all smiling about this cruel fucking thing that they're doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that kind of thing just drives me crazy. And, um, and so we decided to make the single be a benefit for Planned Parenthood. And I also working, you know, having a record label and working in the music business, the rollout and the lead up and all this stuff, it's like, can be so exhausting, you know? And so I just wanted to do something where no one knew th- about it at all until it existed. Yeah. And, and so we recorded these songs. We didn't post a bunch of pictures from the studio. We didn't say what we were doing. <laughs> um, and, um, and then we, uh, had the single made, did the art, everything. And we didn't announce it until we literally had the records in our office and could send them out to people. And we charged a higher price than normal for the records. We did a couple different colors of vinyl. We signed some of them and made those copies even more expensive. And, you know, we sold it out in like two hours. And then the second half of the, of course you can buy it digitally and that money still goes to Planned Parenthood as well. Mm-hmm. But um, the second aspect that uh, that is ongoing is that, you know, um, I'm, I'm a, fan of art and I want to sort of combine forces somehow with artists that I, that I, that I like. And, um, and so we're, we have an auction on Paddle 8, which is an auction uh, website, um, where 19 artists that we contacted, some are locals, some are, uh, most are national made quote unquote record sleeve art for our single. So in other words, each artist made a unique piece the size of an unfolded record sleeve, uh, seven inch sleeve. Right. And, and we're auctioning those, uh, off. And, and so those, that, those proceeds will also go to Planned Parenthood. Um, it's amazing group of artists. The, the work that they did is, is so cool. It's, it's awesome. I wish that I could afford to, um, <laughs> bid on all of them myself. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's, it's on the, like I said, it's on the Padalate, uh, website. And, um, so that's the kind of second stage of this. And if this all works and is successful and, and goes smoothly, I mean, hopefully we'll do it again, maybe even as soon as the fall. So the, the one song is an original song called I Got Cut. The other is a, a cover of Tom Robinson band, uh, the, their song Up Against the Wall. What can you say about, uh, those songs and, and how they relate to, I guess, this cause, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I thought I Got Cut would be a, uh, kind of a funny title for a song um, benefiting Planned Parenthood since, uh, as a male, one of the best things you can do at Planned Parenthood is uh, get a vasectomy. I see. Um, <laughs> okay. And, and, uh, I never thought of that. That's interesting. 
<laughs> but um, but also it's a lot of it is really about just feeling wounded, you know, like by and like in, damaged by like what's going on and somehow trying to recover from that and help other people recover from that. Um, it's about a lot of things. Then the B-side is a great song, which, you know, unfortunately is still timely. It's called Up Against the Wall, and it's by the Tom Robinson Band. And John Worcester, our drummer, had suggested years and years ago that we cover that song. And I don't think we ever learned it back then. This was like probably like 15 years ago or something. But <laughs> I still have his copy of the Tom Robinson Band album that, it, that it's on from back then when I was supposed to learn it. Dark head, dangerous school kids Vicious, suspicious, 16 Jet black blazers at the bus stop So unhealthy and mean Teenage gorillas on the tarmac Fighting in the middle of the road Supercharged fishes on the asphalt The kids are coming in from the cold Oh, listen, can you hear it? Panic in the county hall and so I thought, wow, this would be a perfect time to do this. And uh, so, I mean, it's a great song. And um, so we learned that. And, and one cool thing is that, you know, I uh, emailed Tom Robinson and saying, you know, we're, we're covering a song of yours on the single and it's a benefit single. So... It, would you be willing to waive your your mechanical, you know, your songwriting royalties on this uh, release so that even more money can go to the cause that we're trying to raise money for, to Planned Parenthood? And, and uh, I got a message back from him, uh, I think via his assistant or manager or something, saying like, yes, Tom is down with this, and, you know, we're letting his publishing company know that he's doing that. So hmm. uh, wow. it's it's cool when everyone, when you feel like, everyone is kind of like in on the same page and wanting to do the right thing, you know? Yeah. Tom Robinson band in the late seventies were, uh, quite outspokenly political and would often play, you know, anti-racism shows and, and whatnot. So, well, in his song, glad to be gay. I think that was the first time I ever heard him. Um, which again is so, it's so simple and such a striking song. The British police are the best in the world I don't believe one of these stories I've heard About them raiding our pubs for no reason at all Lining the customers up by the wall Picking out people, knocking them down Resisting arrest as they're kicked on the ground Searching their houses, calling them queer I don't believe that sort of thing happens here Sing if you're glad to be gay Sing if you're happy that way hey. Sing if you're glad to be gay Sing if you're happy that way I think I first saw there's a performance of him doing it at one of those uh, you know secret policemen's ball benefit charity yeah. concerts that they used to have yeah, and yeah. Uh, maybe they still have them but there's films there's like documentary films of those and I remember seeing that back then um, and thinking like wow like this guy is so different from all this other stuff that's going on and this is like it's so like I said it's so striking and sincere and 
in your face. It was great. So, yeah, yeah. but, but, you know, in addition, you know, when I say people being on the same page, I mean, pretty much every artist that we contacted said like, yes, I want like immediately. Yes. I want to do this. And these, these people are busy. I mean, if you're making a living or trying to make a living being an artist, you're busy. <laughs> and um, oh, these are the, the visual artists. You mean yeah. the visual artists? Right. I mean, they're you know, like everyone was was down. There's a couple people that said like, I would love to do this in the future. I'm too busy. Whatever. I'm traveling too much. But um, but pretty much everyone said yes, and the work that that they gave us is in, it's incredible. Yeah. No, I I, I checked out all the uh, the artwork, and it does. It's all amazing. And uh, I assume you simply told artists the concept and let them do whatever they want kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to make it, to make it e easier, if it ended up being easier, we, we actually sent them, um, a couple of pieces of paper, the right, you know, the size of an unfolded seven inch sleeve in case that was easier than them. Oh, right. Remembering, yeah. remembering like, what am I supposed to do for this project again? So, and some people used it, some people didn't, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's really exciting to, to be working with them. And, um, you know, like I said, hopefully we'll get to do it again as well. Yeah. That's but yeah, but if you go to paddle eight, you can see it now and it's up until, uh, June 29th. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, uh, include links in the, uh, various, uh, posts about this, uh, the show. Uh, you did say something there that I want to call back on too, which was, uh, the best thing a male can do in terms of potentially supporting Planet Parenthood is getting a vasectomy. And we talked about the conservative movement. I, I mean, I think when they do the things they do uh, and they attack places like Planned Parenthood, I think it's often it's religious based, often it's uh, it's economical. Uh, it's it's some kind of rationale they've come up with. Do you have any perspective on why so many of these white men outwardly, overtly seem to hate and attack women? I, I, I'm I'm confused by this uh, on some level. I mean, I'm confused by so many things. Uh, generally, and also within uh, the uh, the movements, uh, the conservative movement. But like, why? Why is this happening still in this year? I mean, is there an explanation for misogyny? I mean, I you know, to me, I just I see these guys as there's so many there's so many things at play, right? So, you know, some of them know that it really appeals to their base. Some of them are just as cruel as they seem. Many of them are threatened by women in power i mean there's like there's uh, the you know misogyny runs deep so yeah, i know i i, I, I yeah. don't know that there's i don't know that there's one way to say like this is why they're like this you know uh i think um, you, you touched upon some things there insecurity potential just cruel like it's just cruelty like i don't understand how this is able to pass still you know what i mean like it doesn't make any sense to me yeah and and you know when you i, I don't think a lot of them could probably explain it in any sufficient way if you actually tried to pin them down on it. But, um, you know, some of them use religion as an excuse or the Bible or whatever, but it's all bullshit. Yeah, and they dodge these things more and more now. Everyone's like a snake oil salesman. It's very confused. Like, you can't get them to even, you know, acknowledge the well, things like they I, said. Well, you know, like I said, the policies are not popular, but they're popular among their core and if you rig the system so that you only need your core to hold on to power, yeah, then that's what you do. Yeah. Yeah, it's very frustrating. I mean, obviously it's frustrating. I appreciate that you're speaking out as best you can. Um, do you think – I mean the thing is like, you know, like 99.9% like .9 of people 
people, period, and included, but I was going to say people on social media or who have some sort of public platform. Like, I'm not an expert in any of this stuff. I'm just kind of like reacting to what I see. No, I appreciate that. And, you know, like I said, in doing what we can. Well, I one of the one of the 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 happier aspects of this particular single is that Superchunk is is back. This is your first music in a few years. Um, I, I, as a fan of the band for a long, long time, I was sad when Laura Balance, your your creative partner, your your label uh, uh, co head, is that? <laughs> I don't know. Yes, <laughs> sure. Co owner, yeah. Co owner of Merge Records. Yeah. yeah, Laura had to leave Superchunk in 2013. Uh, as I recall, due to issues with her hearing, is Laura on these new recordings by the, by chance? She is. She's still um, played on every on every record, even as she's uh, stopped touring. So um, she's on. Yeah, she's on. She's on the, these recordings as well. Okay, and how is she doing generally in terms of her condition there? I mean, I think that. Uh, I mean, I don't want to speak for her, and she's not here. But I mean, I think as long as she doesn't expose herself to you know, loud music too much. I mean, Laura still goes to see bands, you know, and wears earplugs, obviously. Yeah. But I think going to see a, a band is, is usually going to be quieter than standing uh, next to John's drum kit for, for an hour and a half. So, um, right. Okay. Uh, so I think that, uh, I think that her decision to not tour has probably really helped that her hearing situation. Okay. So she still writes, she's still in the band. Really? Yes. Oh, that's yes. A, that, that's that's amazing. I mean, when when you've when you've heard this news that she couldn't tour anymore, I assume it was devastating on some level. Uh, how have you been dealing with it since then? I mean, you you don't tour much, I guess, but still, it's, it it must be weird without her. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that on stage it's certainly different, but um, but l- we were lucky to have Jason Narducci, who Johnny and uh had played with had been playing with in Bob Mould's band and that, you know, I had known since he was in Bob Pollard's band when we were putting out Bob's solo records. And mm-hmm. um, Jason is a great, great bass player, obviously a great musician, and uh, but also just a great person to be on tour with. And um, he made the transition uh, a lot easier, you know, than it could yeah. have been. Yeah, well, good. I'm glad. I, I'm, and I'm really happy that Laura is on, on these recordings. How, how are things with Merge these days? You know, it's busy. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm looking at a stack of, um, a giant dog CDs that we just got sitting on my desk of their new record toy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that comes out in, uh, August, I think. But, um, meanwhile, we're having conversations about stuff we're putting out next April, you know, so it's, it's a wide range of stuff that we're working on all the time, both stuff that's currently happening and then you know we have to plan so far in advance yeah um that we're talking about next year so well that's great it's, I bu- mean, it's busy yeah the label was sort of in the news recently only in because we, we heard that arcade fire left uh the label and is now with columbia records how did you take that uh decision i mean you know it's 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 sad f- for us obviously but um they they are operating on a a, a pretty high level in terms of expense and complexity and just the size of the things that they do. And I think that's got to be expensive to run. And, um, you know, we're sad to, uh, we're sad to lose their, the, their records cause they're important to us and, um, both personally and as a label as part of Merge's history and everything. 
Um, so, you know, it's obviously it's, it's a bummer. We don't ever work with bands where it's strictly business relationship. It's, there's a a personal relationship as well. And so that's, of course, that's always going to be hard. I remember in the, uh, the book, uh, I'm just riffing here, but the book was called Our Noise, right? By, by, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Our Noise, right. It seemed that when Arcade Fire came into Merge, Almost immediately, they were big. Like <laughs> it just seemed like uh, as soon as Funeral came out, uh, it was beyond your expectations, right? Yes, for sure. I mean, that happened. It happened really fast. Right, and was that that's not something you'd experienced before on that level? Uh, you know, I, I would say a parallel before that would have been when we put out sixty nine love songs. You know, I mean, we'd been working with the Magnetic Fields for a long time at that point, but right. that but that record which we loved obviously and we were excited to put it out, but it captured people's imaginations in a way that was surprising in terms of the fact that you're talking about a three C D box set of sixty nine songs and people are like going crazy for it, you know? Right. So that was that was a previous kind of surprising thing. I mean, something like, you know, Neutral Milk Hotel in the Aeroplane Over the Sea, I mean that record became huge but that was more of a slow growing thing so it wasn't uh an arcade fire situation where something went from being complete and that was also neutral milk hotel's second record so right arcade fire was definitely the first time you know a debut album had just come out and became you know become a phenomenon really yeah and i mean i've heard i've talked to different people about this because things blew up so quickly i think for some people it was an amazing time for other people, it was a bit overwhelming. There were potentially some detrimental aspects to it uh, in terms of infrastructure. Were you guys okay when this thing went kind of crazy? Yeah, we were okay because we had, um, I mean, in terms of infrastructure at that time, our, our records were being uh, manufactured and distributed by uh, Touch and Go Records. So we, you know, they were a bigger organization than we were. Right. Um, and so we had them working with us and helping to you know, to make it all happen, but it was still a situation where the orders were coming in faster than the pressing plants could make them as, as you probably know. I mean, now it's even worse in terms of how long it takes to get a record press, but even right. then, yeah. you know, there's, there is just some lag time. And, um, and so that was, again, it's, it's not a terrible problem to have, but you always want to be able to make as many records as your band can sell, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. um, so yeah, it was, but you know, it was it was great. It was exciting. On a personal note, did this band positively change your life in any way? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think that just knowing them and getting to see them play at all different levels, you know, from a tiny bar in Chapel Hill to, you know, headlining festivals and I think that and 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 I feel like every time you put out a record that's meaningful to people you're you're gaining fans for not just the band but for the label hopefully and and maybe you know down the road i mean we've had we've worked with bands we've ended up working with bands that said like oh you know i want to be on merge because i love you know this record that you put out was so meaningful to me or whatever and so i i feel like that when you're putting out a record like funeral that does mean so much to people um, I feel like that that's bound to have a, a positive effect on you know future relationships with other bands. I think uh, if I recall correctly, you and I are both Bruce Springsteen guys. Did you not get a chance to meet Bruce Springsteen ostensibly because of Arcade Fire? I did. I did get to meet him at. Uh, it wasn't an Arcade Fire party, but it was the year that they 
did, were nominated for but did not win a Grammy. Oh, okay. We uh, we went to a party after the Grammys, and Springsteen was there, and so I got to I got to meet him at at that party, which was very exciting. I did not say very much because I did not want to make a fool out of myself. <laughs> but but um, but yeah. uh, that that was exciting, of course. So you get to meet uh, that. That's got to be a thing. I mean, you never got to meet Van Halen, I bet, did you? I never did get to meet Van Halen, and I'm not sure that. I mean, I would like to meet David Lee Roth. That would be fun, right? How could that not be fun? <laughs> it would probably be an adventure. It'd probably be something. yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. So meeting Bruce was just a quick exchange, just like hey, you know, that's that's kind of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember what I said, but I, I, what's funny is that I was wearing a suit at the time that I had also worn to my own wedding, and at my own wedding, I played a Springsteen song. And so I got to tell Patty that. I didn't tell Bruce that. I told Patty that. And so Oh, okay. Um, so that was fun. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They must I I have a thing now sometimes where if I see someone I admire and I'm not interviewing them because I tend to interview people, I don't know what I even have to say. I, I would just hey, hi, you know? <laughs> Whereas yeah. in this kind of exchange you can have all sorts of thoughts and feelings and get to lots of stuff. So I understand. It's weird encountering people when you just like, Hey, you're a guy I love. Thanks. Well, right. I mean, yeah. What do you? Yeah. What can you really bring to the table in that, that situation? Well, that's great. I'm glad you got the, that opportunity. And things are so. Super Chunk might make more singles, if not uh, anything else. You, you have plans at this point? Yeah. I mean, we're you know, like I said, I ho- hopefully we'll do another another single this fall, and um, and then we'll see after that. Okay. We tend to talk a lot about. The state of music these days, how it's valued and undervalued and, and, and where it's going as a person who runs a label and plays in a band, do you are you feeling okay? I mean, you know, I, when I see what a big record is now compared to what a big record used to be, it's a little bit... Uh... It's a little bit frightening, and uh, you know, when you see what <laughs> what a band gets paid from streaming, it's um, it, that that's a little bit. It's hard to imagine how anyone can be an artist and have it make a living from it, frankly. But there's so much good music out there that it's not like there's any decline in the quality of like the the art that's being made. It's just how how can people support it in a way that supports the artists, you know. You you did mention with a little, I'd say a little hint of disdain, the notion of rolling out a record these days can be a real nightmare uh, on some level, or just like kind of cumbersome. Uh, but you're like you you mentioned just like I just wanted the single to appear. I just wanted I got cut to sort of show up and that was it. Um Yeah. Does that speak to the way <laughs> uh we promote things these days? Well, I think that I think that it's valuable to do a, a, a rollout where there is more build up and you're really educating people about this thing that's coming out because if you don't do that stuff comes at you in such a rush, you know, if you're a consumer of music or a fan like so much stuff coming out every week, you know, I think that we, I would worry that people would miss something if you didn't let them remind them a bunch of times, like here it's coming, you know what I mean? Like check out this song from it. And uh, so I feel like that's valuable, but for a single, for what we were doing, I just wanted that more of that immediacy, you know? Yeah. Well, I think you achieved that and I hope people check it out for more information uh, MergeRecords.com, I guess, is the best place to go. Oh, and also, sure. you mentioned yeah. the the uh, auction site, uh, which is yeah. If you go to to Paddle Eight, Paddle, um, just, yeah, 
paddle the word paddle and then the, the number eight dot com right right and you've got some super chunk shows a couple you got three scheduled i see here yes uh we got a couple in august and then one uh in october the last time i feel like you were in canada was opening for broken social scene I, I was at that show was that the last time man it might it might have been um jim wilbur and i did an acoustic thing at a premiere of a film um in toronto at a the movie um, "Who Loves the Sun." Oh. I think that was I think that was more recent than, than oh, that. Okay. that was still that was still years ago. But um, but uh, I'm doing a, a a couple solo shows this summer, and um, but but yeah, those super chunk shows in August are the next band shows that we've got. Are you coming? Are you or the, uh, the? I assume there are no plans to come to Canada at this point. But for for the band, I mean. But are you planning to come? Um, I don't have any plans at the moment, but I would lo- I would love to be able to make it work at some point for sure. Okay. Well, I, I look forward to seeing you again. Mac, is there a song from this single that we can go out on here? <laughs> sure. Let's let's. Why don't we just play the A side? Let's play "I Got Cut." All right. We've talked about it enough, so I think uh, I think people get the gist of it. This is "I Got Cut" by Superchunk. Mac, thank you so much for this time today, and best of luck with everything in the future for you and your country. Thanks, Vish. We need it. <laughs>
from their new single, I Got Cut. That was the A-side. I Got Cut by Super Chunk. Again, this is, uh, the single's gone. It's sold out in, as Max said, a couple hours. But if you go to paddle8.com, that's the word paddle, the number eight, paddle8.com slash auction slash merge dash records, you can see that there's an auction uh, going on for uh, 24, I believe there are 24 singles uh, with custom-made artwork. So 24 versions of the I Got Cut single with custom-made artwork, and they're all up for auction until June 28th. So go there, and all proceeds will benefit Planned Parenthood. Thanks again to Mac McCon for being on this show to talk about uh, I Got Cut and entertaining all of my questions about politics in America and uh, why people are cruel. I didn't really expect him to have solid answers, but sometimes it's good to talk to someone about, like, why, how? How can people still think this way and be so cruel to their people, and how do they get away with it? And I just had trouble articulating it. I think, you know, to be honest, I had a slight fever when I was interviewing Mac. I haven't been feeling well, but still, <laughs> thank you, Mac, for being on this show. This is the 327th episode of Creative Control which is a podcast available on every major podcast platform, as far as I know. It's on iTunes, Audio Boom, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, and probably other things, too. You can learn more about the show and access every single episode in existence at my website, vishkana.com. Also, go to patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to the program. Uh, for your efforts, I will send you a t-shirt. If you want a t-shirt, I will send you a creative, con- not just any t-shirt, a creative control t-shirt. I have two kinds of t-shirts, so patreon.com slash creative control. The show is also on Facebook. Like our page on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter at Vish Creative. I'm on Twitter at Vish Kana. And a version of this show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at CFRU.ca or if you're in the area, CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. This episode would not be possible without our generous sponsors, the finest pizzeria in Guelph, Pizza Trocadero. Call them for pickup or delivery at 519-829-2444 or check them out at trocaderoguelph.ca. The Bookshelf, an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater. They do everything, really. They're at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Learn more about them at bookshelf.ca. And for the finest coffee anywhere, try Planet Bean, freshly roasted, fair trade, certified organic coffee they have three cafes in guelph they distribute their coffee beans throughout ontario for more information visit planetbeancoffee.com all right that's it for another episode of the show thank you for listening tell your friends about the show download episodes subscribe to the podcast on your various platforms please rate and review the show all of those things help spread the word and uh, i would appreciate it more episodes to come thank you once again i will talk to you soon goodbye for now Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.